This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Henry Zahudo shocks the world, but the flyweight division remains in limbo. Greg Hardy's debut ends in disappointment. Theroni calls out McGregor, who obliges the request. ESPN and ESPN Plus score big with their first UFC event. Trace amounts of metabolites once again found in John Jones' most recent test done by the Vada Lab. The UFC heads to Miami for the first time in 11 years and will reportedly be headlined by Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa or to the podcast. Please tell your friends, review the show, and subscribe, and we appreciate any listener feedback you might have. So if you have anything you want to talk to us about, tell us about, ask any questions, at Aaron Bronstetter on Twitter and at Bazooka Joe V on Twitter is where we can be reached. Joe, nice Yo. to see you. Hey, yeah, it's, it seems uh, like a long time, but it, it's been, what, a week off? Two weeks, yeah. We Two took weeks. A, so here's what happened last week. All right. I had, a, I, had a sh- like, I, I had a terrible stomach flu. I was going to do the show with you. I was in bed for 30 hours. Slept for 26 of those hours. Didn't watch any TV. It was a disaster. <laughs> I had about half a banana in, in two days. In I lost eight pounds. Yeah, there yeah. you go. But you're not fighting. Yeah, yeah I can't, we can't wait. Yeah, you're cutting the hard way for the trip. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. So um, I was on the road, and I recorded a podcast with uh, Chamat Karsandu uh, previewing UFC in Brooklyn. It was about an hour and a bit, and I was going to take some of the interviews that I did at uh, Fight Week and put it through. And I recorded it on an app on my phone, and... Um, and then when I went to export it, it said you need to get the premium version to export it. Anything over like a minute or something. I said, okay, yeah. whatever. I'll buy the premium version. I couldn't find the premium version anywhere. Oh. So I called this company and I say, hey, I recorded an hour podcast and I need to export it, and I can't find your premium version. He goes, oh, it's been discontinued. Wow. I go, well, nice. I go, well, why do you have the original app if I can't export anything? He goes, I don't know. We keep, people keep calling with complaints. We should probably take it off. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, probably, yeah, probably would be a good idea. As yeah, I just yeah. did a full hour podcast I that will now not be here. Yeah, yeah, basically lost time. Yeah, yeah. And I saw Chael Sonnen actually down there because he was uh, covering the event for ESPN and he was in my hotel and he said that they had recorded some videos, I think it was the day prior, and he's like, it's just like... You, that he's same like, app? He's like, there's no worse... It wasn't that same app, but they recorded something and something went wrong. And he oh, goes, that's the he worst. He goes, there's no worse feeling than you've done this. You've Because you can't replicate it either. No, not like it's I could never sit down with same. Sandu again and do it the same show. It would be, we, it would be frustrating. So yeah, I've had that with my videos on YouTube. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm so intense. I'm into it. I'm sweating. I just hit the bag so hard. Oh, the audio just messed up. Oh, yeah. my God. I lost some interviews, too, last week because my microphone wasn't plugged into my phone. So. Yeah. Say la vie. That's I lost tea, a great interview yeah. with Greg Hardy, a great interview with Cerrone. Actually, the interview with Greg Hardy, there have been three instances where I've done interviews where my brain is saying, you need to get out of this interview. Like, okay. you go into fight or flight mode. All right, let's hear them. What are the three? So, one was um, Alexander Hernandez after he beat Oban Mercier. I had Alex on a couple of weeks ago, actually. It was great. And I spoke to him this past week, and he was great. But after he lo- he beat Oban Mercier, he was very disappointed with his performance, and the intensity level was so high where I couldn't focus on what my next question was going to be because he was so intense. Yeah, and yeah. my brain was like, "You got to get away from this guy. He's just he's going to run through a wall." The other is uh, Hakim Dawadu or Dawadu, yeah, because he has like a permanent scowl on his face. Yeah, mean. He's that's why. Mean, that's why he's mean. Perfect Hakeem. name. Yeah. So I was talking to him after his awesome. win, and. Um, like my brain was just like I can't like I couldn't focus on what my next question was going to be because of the scowl. Yeah, yeah. Just, I was like I was like frightened is he gonna hit by me? him. Yeah. yeah, is he going to hit me or is he going to answer the question? And then with Greg Hardy, he was backstage and he was kind of like dancing and having fun. And then when we got to the interview, I uh, I said to him like, well, "Your average fight time, you've had three amateur, three professional, is forty four seconds. Is this fight going to be longer or shorter than that?" And he goes, 
I'm gonna spend 15 minutes making this guy's life a living hell. He just eyed you down. He was smiling and his eyes were wide, and my That's brain awesome. was, my brain went to fight or flight mode, and I was like, I've got to get out of this. I don't know what I'm gonna. I, like, I couldn't concentrate on what, what I was gonna ask next. Yeah, yeah, just because he and got it's not, into your soul. And That's it's not a lack Tyson. of it's not a lack of professionalism. Yeah, it's just your brain yeah. goes into that mode sometimes. That's I'm sure Mike Tyson had I, yeah. that look, right? I mean, that's yeah. what Mike Tyson did to his opponent. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever gone into flight mode? No, no. <laughs> I was going to say, it's no. probably, you're probably at that not point, wired he's that looking way. at me like that. I'm like, all right, okay, let's do this, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll put this mic down, me and you, and let's go. That's but how they're not I'm looking, looking at, at They're it. not looking at me with the intention no, that they want to hurt me. Intense but and... my brain is like, from an evolutionary perspective, means, is yeah. like, oh my God, like something bad could happen yeah. to me if I don't. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Most that, those are the fight, three times I it's happened. Fight at that point. Yeah, those yeah. are the three times it's happened to me. Yeah. But uh, so I, you know, there's my admission on the show <laughs> that I've that I've been that I've been. Uh, but again, like last week, I spoke to Greg Hardy. The first time I spoke to him, I you know I asked him tough questions. I'm like, are you remorseful for things that you've yeah. done in the past? Which it's yeah. a hard to are interview you someone with that kind of yeah. background because you have to ask those controversial questions that they don't want to hear, or as a journalist that you know you kind of try to. You know, hide around the real question, but you're the guy who just gets right in there. Yeah. So. And then afterwards, when he when he was disqualified, I spoke to him. He was like distraught. He was beside himself, but he was he was answering the questions in yeah, like a yeah. very. So it it was just that intensity of that one interview. The that again, the mic audio wasn't plugged in. It got lost. <laughs> I actually had a great one with Cerrone where I compared him to Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon, but uh, which he liked. But that never again. These interviews got lost. It was, oh, there was there was that one. That was, there was oh, Cerrone that was and Alex Fernandez. Those oh. three got lost. There was the ones after the weigh-ins. So okay. It was right before fight night. Yeah, frustrating. Can't you just use the one on your and phone? And my Cejudo one after he won the championship for whatever reason got. To. Isn't there just a voice note on your phone you can use or like I have it on my phone, but the audio is terrible. Like oh, I could okay. probably could have put it on Twitter, it. but like it's picking up like music and stuff in the background. It's just not usable. Yeah. Not salvageable, unfortunately. Well, it happens. You learn. You learn something. It happens to me almost on every trip. There's almost always one thing that goes wrong with an interview. Either it didn't roll or uh, you got to change your thinking, Aaron. Don't create it. That's law of attraction. There. Don't say nothing will happen anymore. Okay, I'm, I'm perfect. Fine with that. Everything sure, will be good. perfect. <laughs> but a lot of it is just carelessness. Like yeah. I didn't double check that my mic's plugged in. What I've got to do is have like right on my hand three things. It's like make sure mic is on. Yeah. Make That's sure camera's rolling. That's the hardest rolling. thing to do. I I always said when I've been trying to like produce some of my own videos, I said the hardest part of it isn't producing it. It's making sure the batteries are full, making sure the 100%. audio is correct, making sure there's enough you know spare and battery parts, and that to me is the the worst part. Well, that's the toughest part the about what, what I have to do is these guys are rushed in. You have to interview them right away. Yeah. They, they're on a timeline. they got to get out of there. And part of my brain is like, oh, God, is it recording? Oh, my God, yeah, is it I framed properly? Sure. And, and that's while I'm trying to come up with questions also because yeah. a lot of the questions I come up with are on the fly. Yeah. I want to see what happens at the weigh-ins. I want to see how they react to each other. I want to... You know, I write a lot of questions when I'm on my way to yeah the um, general the ones, the big topics. Yeah, the yeah. general ones, and then a lot of them I scrap because I'm just like, well, right now they're in a certain mode where that's what a good interviewer does. Yeah, you yeah. got to adjust. So a lot of the and especially the post fight interviews, like it's hard to prepare questions. You, you're basically just asking questions based on what you've seen. Yeah, two things that I picked up on was. Um, first, like you can't go in with set questions because, like, someone like the example came. You can ask them a question. They go off. Yeah, and then I killed somebody. And then I said, "Well, then you just totally are not even thinking." And then you ask the next question. So you it's have too robotic, to, too mm-hmm. way too robotic. But the other thing with fighters, though, I found it's depending on who you talk to. Fighters don't give you the best interviews. They're very like one or two word answered. They don't give you that flow. So sometimes those fighters, you need to have those questions ready to go. So honestly, interviewing fighters is pretty difficult. 
And my problem is also that I don't like asking generic questions. Yeah. Like I, I could easily fall back on a sure. question like, "Oh yeah, so how well, do you feel when you looked at this person? How did yeah, like how do you feel going into this fight? How was your weight cut? Nobody's ever going to be like, "Oh, it was I had a bad camp yeah. before a fight." They just won't ever say that. So I want to ask questions, and I say this all the time that I want to know the answer to that I yeah. personally don't know the answer to when I'm asking it. I couldn't guess what the answer is going to be. Those are the best kind of questions I find. So. But, yeah, th- that was kind of frustrating this past week. But at the same time, I still think that, that I got a lot of good content from uh, a lot of the folks there. I, yeah, I, I felt bad talking to TJ Dillashaw after he lost because he was so convinced that it was a bad stoppage. So yeah. why don't we start there? Perfect. What did you think of that stoppage? I, as have a, you, how many I have times to, have you I have to look it? at it. The yeah, stoppage about maybe three, four times. Okay. okay. So I have, but the problem is with me, I have to put two different hats on because you got to put your foot um, in TJ Dillashaw. And as a fighter, as someone who's fought for world championships, I'd want, I agree with him saying it was early in that way. But now when I look at it as a casual fan and it's not me being the champ champ, I mean, I look at him like that was a fair stoppage. I seen him get almost dropped twice. His eyes rolled back a few times. He looked like he was dazed. So I'm not, I'm okay with the stoppage. But from the side of TJ Dillashaw, it was early. So it's kind of like, it kind of puts me on the fence to be honest, because it's there's two sides to it, and you have to look at it that way. I don't think you can give a definitive answer if it was if, if it was um, early stoppage or not. It happens in every sport where there are superstar calls. Like in the NBA, if LeBron James goes to the hoop and there's contact, a lot of the time they'll call that foul. But if it's LeBron James on defense and he makes the same foul against a guy that's not as well known, they, they they won't call it. They'll give LeBron the superstar call. I feel like in MMA, if Let's say that fight was Jeff Neal versus Bilal Muhammad earlier in the card, and the exact same thing played out that happened in TJ versus Hudo, and they stopped that fight. I don't think anybody would have said no, a word. Great stoppage. It would have been like, that's a fair yeah. stoppage. But because we know how good TJ Dillashaw is, and I think John McCarthy said this yesterday when they were asking about it at the Bellator, uh, PR, uh, I guess, so, uh, media day. He said probably said something along the lines of, like, you, we've seen what TJ can do. We've seen the champions can bounce back from that. Now, that being said... If you watch what happened, TJ is shooting on like a, it was a trash single at the yeah, end. Like there was nothing, there was nothing on it, and you're going against an Olympian. TJ was out of it. Um, I think I don't think I won't go as far as saying it was a good stoppage, but I will say because I think that they, he could have let it go on, but it certainly was not a bad yeah, stoppage. No, I think it's uh, the word I like to use is fair. It was fair. fair. That, it was it wasn't great and it me. wasn't bad. It was fair. I um. The situation of it, but what do we have to do now? Do we have to get someone killed? I mean, we're, we're kind of changing the direction of the sport where it's not as brutal as it used to be. We're trying to make it a little bit safer for athletes. But, again, it's still a, it's a warrior gladiator mentality. So I have to be on the fence. I can't give a definitive answer because if I was TJ Dillashaw, I'd be pissed too. I'd want to go out on backstage. my shield. Yeah, he was pissed backstage. Yeah. It kind of the the one thing I didn't over enjoy, and he did change his mindset because when he was we talked to him, not we talked to him, but the Anik talked to him in the ring. He was very like taking a lot of things away from Cejudo, being like, "Oh, it wasn't fair," like you know. I mean, but it was just that frustration. But he did give afterwards Cejudo the credit. He called him, you know, the real champion, which I liked and showed a lot of good sportsmanship. Um, so I think the way he changed his, his mind was a little bit better, but he's going to always call it an early stoppage. Mm-hmm. It's protecting himself, his ego. He's a competitive type of fighter. That's what you're going to get. You're never going to be happy with the loss. But, uh, I mean, I hope he just learns from it and goes. I just think the biggest thing in that whole fight was is 125 is too small for him. That's yeah, the big and that'll thing affect that your chin. At. I mean, there's no way, no way around it. Even if you have a great weight cut, you're still depleting your body to a point where he it's going to affect your chin. He didn't look great. 
He did not look great. great. When looking at him, he looked sunken in. Um, So does Henry, though, on the scale. But but, but, but Henry wasn't like that all week, though. On fight fight day, day, Suhuda looked great. Mm. Where still, when Dillashaw was in the ring and it was go time, his eyes looked a little drained still. He still looked a little dehydrated. You know, he didn't look him, uh, you know, that killer instinct in the eye that I think we're used to seeing from Dillashaw. But, yeah, that's fair, and I think knows? that I think that the proof's in the pudding there. I mean, even if it even if it didn't get stopped, it was on the, it was it on was its on way. Verge, yeah. It was on its way, and that's what Dana White said. He said he didn't like the stoppage, but he felt like it, you know it, we knew the direction that it was kind of heading. And um, I felt bad because I'm talking to TJ backstage, and Cejudo celebrating with his team like maybe like ten feet away from us while I'm talking to TJ, and TJ's like, I just don't think it's a loss. I don't consider it a loss because I didn't yeah. lose. Like, he's like, I was I never was out of it, but at the same time, like. You, I don't think that people can have that exact awareness of whether or not they're out of it. Would you agree with that? I mean, you, yeah, it's hard to tell. It's if, hard to tell. If right? he was rocked, he was out of it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's many times in fights where you're rocked and you don't know what happens. I mean, that's part of the nature of fighting. That's why we drill re- repetition after repetition because in times when we're rocked, we want our body to be able to react instantly without the same way we wanted to. So that's why we put the time in. You're rocked a lot of times in fights, so. I mean, I think like Cejudo said, Cejudo even said, he said he laid back a little bit. He goes, he was out. I could have just put the punches on, but I laid back. I saw his eyes roll back. He goes, I was nice to him. He's like, did he really need another 20 more punches to the head? Now maybe, yeah, in retrospect, he probably should have pounded it on. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't take anything from how great Cejudo did that night. Oh, absolutely. That was easily the best performance of his career, and that's yeah. coming off a win against Demetrius Johnson, so yeah. that's saying something. Yeah. So where do you put him now? Is he one of... Um, you know, the pound for pound or... It's hard to say. I feel like in order to be considered a top pound for pound guy, it's not who you beat, it's your longevity. I yeah. think longevity is very important. I think it's how you win. And, like, to me, the number one pound for pound guy is John Jones. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that there's any question that it's him because of how he's beaten absolutely everybody in front of him, save for that one fight with Gustafson the level back in the of day. guys that he was doing. The level of too. guys and how they win. And this is another thing that annoys me about these ratings or these rankings. Corey Sanhagen comes in and destroys a guy, submits a guy who most of his wins are by submission, comes out and puts him in a, an array of different submission holds, completely, utterly dominates this guy, and he doesn't get ra- ranked afterwards. He was supposed to fight John Lineker, and let's say he had a three-round back and forth with, with Lineker and it was a, like a split decision. That gets more weight than him absolutely dominating the guy. They never look at how people win. They look at who they beat. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's why now Cejudo is like ranked ahead of Nunez on the pound for pound list. Like, how how do you justify that? Like, how do you like suddenly Cejudo is a better pound for pound fighter than Nunez? Look who Nunez be- has beaten, how she's beaten them. Yeah. And I'm not t- trying to take anything away from Cejudo because I think the pound for pound argument is is kind of garbage, anyways. I don't think that it matters. Yeah, I think it's that too it's completely hard to subjective. Tell. It's subjective, and and it's like talking about fighters from different generations. It's it's really hard. You can't yeah. compare, you know, Anthony Joshua with Mike Tyson, or you know, a lot of those bigger names. I'll tell you this: Chuck Liddell in his prime against John John Jones would get absolutely wrecked. Yeah, John Jones He'd get would get wrecked. Him. John Jones would and destroy him. I think that him. I think that any but any fighter from. 10, 15 years ago in the UFC, would have like no just the evolution of the sport has gone to a point. And same with basketball. Like I think that LeBron James would beat Jordan 
Yeah. But that's just because of how the bodies I, evolved and the physicality. I think it's even bigger for martial arts because of how much it's changed. Like the, the mixed martial arts is still new. We're like 100%. It's still super new. You I mean like Chuck Liddell never wrestled probably. He probably had yeah. zero wrestling. Well, no, he did. He, that, that was Chuck's thing. Chuck's thing was he was, was able, the able to defense. Yeah, he was able to stuff. Yeah. But what could he yeah. basically do? How many hours did he train? The average, you know, mixed martial artist is putting just as much time on the ground as he's putting into his, his striking as he's now doing strength and conditioning. These guys didn't have that type of training. It was old school martial arts. It's fight. Mm-hmm. It was fight, fight, fight. I only, how, know, I only know how to box. Imagine That's how fine. much longer Liddell would have lasted if he didn't do hard sparring. Like he just, I, I think a lot but of these guys. But look how long he did last. Yeah. It's still yeah. impressive That's for true. what he did. Yeah. Which is, I mean, he lasted up until last year where he fought against Tito Ortiz. Yeah, <laughs> <a> great <laughs> matchup. Yeah. yeah so uh, I think the interesting thing from here is going to be the fallout. Yeah. Whether they decide to let Henry fight for the 135 belt next, or if they say, we're going to keep flyweight going, we're going to have him fight Benavidez, we're going to have TJ fight bantamweight, because there's only been four people that have competed for the bantamweight title over the last, whatever, three years. One of them's retired, and one of them is Uriah Faber. So I think that uh, right now the, the bantamweight challengers have been patience, patient, and for them to have to take a backseat to Cejudo now I think is unfair. Okay. So do you think the flyweight division should stay? I do. Uh, the problem is that they've decimated it. Like, the problem is... Yeah, everyone's like, just talking down about it. It's always been talked down about Well, it's not even it. just that. They, they've cut, like, 70% of the flyweights on the roster. Yeah. So if so they've already committed now, to it. Yeah, they've already committed, and they've already gone, like, they're 90% towards their destination. Now they're, they're going to turn around and head back. How do you do that? How do you do that in a manner that makes any sort of sense? So that's the point, part of it that I think is, um, is strange. And if they are going to keep the division around... They've already lost a lot of good guys from the division that, you know, might get scooped up by somebody else. Well, I mean, 1FC just seems to be the one scooping everybody, but I don't know. It's hard for these poor guys, and that's where it really happened. And uh, I knew a lot of amazing 125ers growing up, but even before, because it, it was the last division to come into the UFC, too. So a lot of the older guys from back in the day, just never got to have that chance in the UFC. I mean, I, I was working with Richard Monkey Nanku, you know, Antonio Carvalho. Like, they didn't have a division, so they went to Japan. They had to fight elsewhere. Now it's finally here, and it's gone again. So, I mean, I guess one light fighter is just not for you. I don't know what, I don't know what to say. Like, it's, 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 um, I don't know why they wouldn't keep it. Well, Dillashaw was very critical of Demetrius Johnson. But I felt that his critique was was unfair. Like he was saying nobody wants to watch somebody lie on top of somebody for five rounds. But Demetrius was finishing guys. Like Demetrius was yeah. doing having exciting finishes. Like the, the finish against Ray Borg is one of the best finishes ever. Yeah. So I mean, well, I don't know what the what it was that was preventing the flyweight division from succeeding. Is it numbers on TV? Is that what they all? Oh, I think that's it on, I think right? that's what they're predicating it on. But at the same time, I just feel like Demetrius was so good that people got bored. Yeah. And people yeah. had already jumped to the conclusion that this guy's never going to be a draw and all that. And I think that that's always going to win. Yeah, he's always going to win. Gonna win. Yeah. And that kind of thing can hurt the division because the, there's dominance from one guy that is just not marketable. Yeah. But it also depends on the time, too, right? You got to look. I always look at it uh, like the, the Khabibs. I mean, the UFC at one point didn't like straight wrestlers. They hated wrestlers that would just come in and grind you. It was boring. Um, they didn't want you. And now you guys you have Khabib as one of your biggest draws. Gillespie, who just fought. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're talking as wrestling now. Guys who, you know, just go in and ride you. The, the Kamaru Usmans, you know, wrestling is now playing a big factor. So I think it's going to change. It, it goes up and down. So 
hopefully these lighter fighters, you know, have jobs. Because it's not fair for these guys to now do what? I think a lot of it has to do backwards. with. I think a lot of it has to do with how the wrestlers have kind of diversified their games. Like when you see what Khabib is doing, it's not just laying on top of somebody. He's moving positions, Picking, he's improving slamming, positions, he's changing. slamming. Yeah, he's, he's initiating ground and pound. Even Gregor Gillespie, when I spoke to him, he goes, "People boo me, but I'm going to get the finish." He goes, "Every time I, you know, it might be boring how I get there, but I'm going to finish somebody." He's yeah. got the most finishes in a row in the UFC right now. He's and he's what, thirteen and zero too. Yeah, yeah overall, yeah, I he's think a, he's a stud. Twelve or thirteen. He, he had one strike absorbed over two full rounds against yeah. Dancy Medeiros. That's insane. Yeah, Ben Askren coming in now. I'm excited yeah, to that's see gonna how be interesting he. to see. Yeah, so Askren, Askren is kind of like the the what you're descri- describing. A guy whose wrestling is just. Like, it's just strictly wrestling. Yeah. And that's all it is. Take down, hold you down, beat you up a little bit. But that much it. makes it fun again. I mean, you ask most, you know, mixed martial artists, if you had to put priority on what of on one martial art, which one would it be? And all be of them say wrestling. It has to be wrestling. All of them say wrestling. It's it's the gap between striking and jiu-jitsu. It's that transition period. Because a lot of at, at one point, it was either when it started evolving more, it was guys being really specific. You only did jiu-jitsu. And you only did striking. There was none of that transition. Now wrestling, it's all wrestling. You need that wrestling. So we'll see. It is weird that uh, Dillashaw's coming off a loss and is the champion. <laughs> it's just weird to see. But it's, yeah. it's happened before. It happened is that going to take away steam when he defends the Bantamweight so. title? I think absolutely. I think this really actually will hurt the trajectory of his career. And he's at an age now where he can't really afford that. Like he, He's going to need to get... A, if you look at his record, somebody pointed this out. I think it was uh, Sean Sheehan. Um, that he has lost every like, every five fights he loses. Yeah. Like if you look on, at his record, on, he's lost every five routine. fights. It's yeah. very strange. But uh, it, it held true against Dillashaw or against uh, Cejudo. And that was just a. Cejudo has two. This is his second finish in the UFC. That's it. He has one finish against Wilson Hayes. And now he's got this. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Yeah. I mean, 32 it's, seconds it's against Dillashaw. About it. It's yeah. an absurd, like, an, it's an absurd result. Yeah. Um, it's crazy, yeah. It's it's crazy to think about that. Yeah. Now I want to talk to you about Greg Hardy because you've been doing striking your whole life. He's new to this. I mean, he's been doing this for about two and a half years. I w- went back and watched the fight, and uh, people kind of criticized. They go, "You don't really know what you're talking about." But I, and maybe I don't. I mean, I don't train as hard as a lot of different people. I mean, that's an understatement. There are a lot of people that are far more well versed in the the technical aspects of MMA, uh, but. I, I said that I thought he showed a lot of promise in terms of his basic fundamentals. I thought that his non-power striking, his technical striking, needs a lot of work. Absolutely. Needs some fine-tuning. His jab looked terrible. His leg kick looked terrible. Yeah. Um, but I thought that his power striking still looked good. He committed to a lot of his, his punches. I thought his wrestling and his, his ground defense looked better than a lot of heavyweights because a lot of heavyweights, once they're down, they don't get up. He yeah. was able to cage walk and get up, oh, and he was able Derek to stuff Lewis takedowns. Derek Lewis that just lays there half yeah. the time, yeah. So I, I thought, said that for where he's at now, based on how long he's been doing this, he's actually pretty far ahead of the game, and people were kind of criticizing me on Twitter. I don't know if you feel the same way. Well, I think it's you can say that, and I don't think it's wrong to say that. I think a lot of it, of those traits that you're describing, comes from natural ability rather than his technical ability. Um, but, man... You don't just make it to the NFL without being an incredible athlete. And, I mean, I've been now coaching and training and being in martial arts so long. Sometimes you get a guy, you're like, hey, throw a round kick, throw a cross, boom, and they're just doing it perfectly. They're a natural athlete. Um, he's a natural athlete. I guarantee, you know, from that UFC roster, and you got everyone, I guarantee there's one or two people who would probably crack an NFL roster. Not many, 
Like, that's an incredible athlete. I mean, so I think he's going to be able to, if he really stuck his mind to it and continued, he can be a, an amazing athlete, amazing mixed martial artist. I think it's great. Um, so, yeah, I don't. Did he look sloppy? Sure. Should he have been the co main event? No, he shouldn't have. Should he have been on the, the first ESPN card? No. But well, here's the question is he, he, is he a UFC caliber fighter, in your opinion? In my opinion, uh, I would say an early level guy. Sure, that's exactly how I feel. I an think if you look, level, if you look at the UFC heavyweight roster, yeah, he can sure. beat at least ten percent of them. Yeah, he's got power. That's all you need to have. Got power. It's not like this know? is like a CM Punk situation where he's coming in and looks completely out of his element. He can hang with these guys, yeah, and I think he's going to take time. He's he's still I think thirty years old. He's got a lot of yeah, time at heavyweight. Thirty is young. Phenomenal athlete. I'm that's exactly you. it, and I, and that's what I was saying to Dana White this week. I go, it's extremely rare that the UFC not only has like a pro sports level athlete, but a guy that was an all pro, like yeah. one of the best in the sport, making the transition to MMA, albeit under auspicious circumstances. But I think that he's going to have a lot of upside. I think he's just going to keep getting better. And I think that the people that say he's, and that includes Ariel Helwani, that says that he's not a UFC fighter, not a UFC caliber fighter, are wrong. Yeah. yeah, I, Straight I, up I, wrong. I think the, the issue was because he was put on this co-main event, he expected to perform as a co-main event level fighter, and he's not. And that's a reality. And there's Alan Crowder. Yeah. Neither is his opponent. I mean, that, that, that's a fight on any other card. You know, that's a, a prelim fight pass, you know, throw that on the card, develop him in those little fights, and then eventually, yeah, I think he can be a co-main event fighter um, based on his, his athletic abilities. But And sometimes, you know, it's just a lot of fighters you see, they, they're so athletic that the technical side is never there because they rely so much on their athleticism. Like someone like me, for example, when I do jiu-jitsu, it's harder for me to learn sometimes because I use my strength, I grab, I hold, I use my athleticism. But I'm never really learning. I'm not flowing well. I'm not using the right tactics and, and the right philosophies. So, I mean, yeah, I think he's going to do good. That's my point. But, and, uh, and that can work at heavyweight. That, just using your athleticism, yeah, that's your what advantage a heavyweight can fighter work is. at heavyweight. Uh, Francis Nagano, right? Like, I mean, he relied heavily on one type of thing, power. And it's going to take a good wrestler to take him down and be like, oh, man, maybe I'm not as big and strong. And my takedown defense isn't as good as I thought. So then he'll start working it. You give the guy a couple of years, man, that, that's, it's endless for him. Mm-hmm. It's endless. So, so uh, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. So I guess we're kind of on the same page on that one, which is, uh, which is good because you're uh, a combat sports athlete. Whereas I'm yeah. just a guy behind a computer. Yeah. So power, a, man. A lot, I'm a big yeah. believer in power. I'm a big believer in power. If you got that natural ability to hit, you can go. You can go. So yeah. And when you look at that being the co-main event, if you look at the other, uh, you know, uh, matchups on the card, you could have gone Benavidez Ortiz, Cerrone yeah, versus sure. Hernandez. They did by design as the ESPN television main event. Yeah. They did that by you know that it was Makes more important sense. for them to have it on that part of the card than the co-main event. Um, but, you know, I get why they have Hardy as the co-main event. It's a name. They're trying to draw an audience. And um, I will say that after the event, I watched Sports Center, and they were crushing Greg Hardy. I'm like, oh, the guy doesn't know the rules and blah, blah, blah. I, I actually think that he didn't know the rule. I was watching with uh, Brett Okamoto backstage, and uh, Crowder was on his knees, and I said to Brett, I go, let's see if Hardy knows the rules. Boom. Nope. nope. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So, yeah, that was you just gave your opinion. I mean, a lot of people are bashing him for it. And, you know, being an intentional strike. I don't see it that way. I, I Like, I agree with you. I just think he doesn't know. 
He's yeah. all hyped up. It should be a disqualification, though. Absolutely. That's a disqualification. That's a disqualification. Just because you don't shot. know the rules, it doesn't yeah. mean that it's a you, disqualifying you can break them. shot. But did he do it on purpose and, you know, with his background and his history? I yeah. don't think so. I don't think the intent was there either. Man, and that's, it, that's where I think a lot of people. And, but that's uh, where his inexperience is. That's yeah. where the issue is. Like, you watch an amateur fighter fight. All of my guys, they hold their breath. They, they, they force them. They're warming up. They're intense. They're, they have that killer mindset. Well, my first, you know, f- so many fights, the stupid things I would say in my head to get myself going. And you're like, what? I used to think of, like, the most darkest things in my head. Someone kidnapped my family. You know, you killed my mother and father, and I'm going to get you back. And I used to just hype myself up so much that at some point you just don't know. It happens, man. Like, there's times where there's guys been rocked where I'm like, okay, I should have stopped. But then you see me going in and going crazy. When As an amateur, you learn to control your emotions. You learn to relax a little bit more. So that's where you need that time in the ring, um, you know, getting better and understanding and staying and keeping those emotions in check. Because when adrenaline hits and you have someone rock, you can't control yourself sometimes. So I think that was the situation that happened. I think when Crowder was pointing at him and, and going, you know, waving, yeah, him, waving his way, Hell I think yeah. Hardy was put off by that a little bit. I, I think Hardy's one of these guys where he's like, I was always the biggest guy. Biggest, Nobody, Everybody yeah. was always scared of me, and this guy's not. And, and think of the football mentality that you've been raised in your whole life. Each play, like, they're hitting each other. They're like, come on. Like, they got, they hype themselves up. They're, you know, they're in that amped up state. But, you know, you're in that amped up state for a couple seconds. But now you have to sustain that for 15 minutes, and it has ups and downs, the roller coaster, the people, the attention. It, it's hard, man. And so, yeah, he didn't. I, it's an inexperienced thing. That's where it really showed, not, not more of his past. And I think people just want to hate on him because of his past. And even though part of me does want to hate on him for it too, but I can't at this point. Well, I, I think anybody can and can they can continue to hate on him for that yeah. point. But it seems like the UFC doesn't seem to care that that's his background. He's now yeah. fought. You I don't mean, have like, to love him as a person, yeah. you know. But you got to look at him as a martial artist now and, and from as an athlete. Outside of all of that other stuff, yeah, I mean it's been done now. I mean yeah. he's he's competed. I feel like they've ripped the bandaid off and they had him on the same card as Ostevich, which puts him in the absolute worst circumstance in terms of having to defend himself because he's got to he's got to answer questions related to somebody who is just a victim of domestic violence um and from here i think that those questions will slow down um so should, was it a mistake th- was it a ufc mistake i think i think it absolutely was just an oversight but you know i don't know if they would ever admit to that yeah. uh at the same time though now like i don't is it if you ask him that question at the next event are you just belaboring the point at this at this situation like we've this was the time to ask him about it. I asked him about it, and then after I asked him about it at media day, from that point on, he had addressed it with me, and I have to look at it like, okay, well, this guy's now part of you know this guy's now part of the roster. He's about to compete, and I've got to just look at him as any other athlete on the card. Yeah. I mean, listen, there are other athletes in the UFC that have domestic violence histories. Oh yeah, tons. And I don't grill them about it after they've been in the UFC for some time. It's it happened when it happened. This is the first time he's competed in the UFC. It's fair game to ask him about it now. Going forward, I don't know. Other than trying to make myself look good by by hammering home this point, because yeah, people are like, yeah. "You got to keep this guy accountable." It's like, but he hasn't done anything lately. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's there's second I, chances. I, you I, I, yeah, I, I hate to say it because I I think that what he did is despicable. Absolutely. He hasn't apologized for it. He hasn't shown any sort of remorse. I asked him the most pointed question possible. I said. Are you remorseful for your past actions? Are you apologetic for what you've done? And he completely skirted the question. Yeah. Yeah. And and then when I posted the the video of him um, answering the question, I posted his answer to that question. 
and I said, and somebody commented, and I, I wrote to him. I go, the issue that I have is that he hasn't been apologetic or shown remorse. And then the person, somebody comments and goes, well, why don't you ask him that? Then I sent him a, a video of the of question, the actual, <laughs> the actual question, which yeah, is yeah. exactly what I asked. Yeah, if they know you and follow you, they know you're asking those questions. Yeah. So I, I mean, from here, it would just belabor the point to keep grilling him on this on this topic. And I, I don't think that I still don't think he's really addressed whether or not he. I mean, his answer to me is like, you know, it haunts me at night and I can't sleep and stuff like that. But it's that's still not a, yeah, what I did was really wrong. And it, it, it's two different things. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. But again, I'd, I've never really followed. So I don't know how bad the domestic oh, was abuse bad. was. was like, bad. you know, I never looked into it that way. It's such a negative thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, trying to put myself in people's f- positions as a fighter. I mean, I think he did the right thing, but looking back at that, you know, and the situation. You think he did the right thing with which? Just to it, clarify. No, just like the the right thing in like he didn't knee um, on purpose. The intention, okay. the intentional knee to oh, the face. Oh, I see face. what you mean. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just going to haunt him forever. It's, it's something that you can't really get away. But putting my f- feet in the situation of like. You know, my sister was abused by him or someone like, in a, you have to put yourself in. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't Absolutely. agree with it, you know, just because I haven't been around domestic abuse. Maybe it's not as big of a topic, but it's not cool. And I think just it's going to haunt him forever and is, as it should in, in a way. Oh, but it's always going to come it up. It should not but, but take he, away what he does. He could have prevented it, though. Yeah. I, I feel like if he would have taken some sort of culpability, it would have been apologetic. It would have been over with. Yeah. But he he refuses to do that, and I think that's the big issue with him. And and that, but again, I I just don't know if it's worth belaboring the point with him. If I'm going to talk to him in the future, like what am I going to get from him? I asked him the most pointed question possible, and he gave me his answer. And if I ask that same pointed question again, what what's the point? Yeah, I know it's it's topic. The next time it, the the questions are still going to keep coming up because it's like. What, he's maybe not a big star. You have no experience. You can ask him about no experience. You can ask him about how he's training. But at the end of the day, the big storyline is that past. I think it's going to continually come up. So, um, yeah. And the other big part of this card was a Cowboy Cerrone. Big win over Alexander Hernandez, a huge up-and-comer. I think Alexander Hernandez is an excellent fighter. Uh, and they, I think they put him in this position to see how, just how good he is and just how good Cowboy still is. And Cowboy, uh, Cowboy answered. He looked fantastic. Yeah, it was surprising. I mean... A lot of people, of the experts, were talking about his experience being the biggest factor. I don't know. I thought, you know, Hernandez had a, a really legit shot and Cerrone being an underdog. But, yeah, Cerrone's striking, man. I, I He always scares me a little bit because he has that high chin to him um, that he can get caught really well with, especially Hernandez being that forward pressure style kind of guy. It doesn't often happen with him, though. He does have that tall guy yeah, defense, but as they call it. he's good with it, yeah. But he's good with it. It makes he's it work. He's good. He stays yeah. long with it. And and especially being a kicker, you think guys would be able to hit that chin a little bit more off his kick. And I think his most recent loss was caused from that. I don't remember who it was. I, I can, we can look it up. But, um, yeah, I thought Hernandez was there until Yeah, that caught him. Yeah. yeah. And, but um, here's another thing with Cowboy he, that he told me backstage is he took his entire striking arsenal and completely overhauled it. He was working with Joe Schilling. Yeah. And he was saying that when he was doing these new strikes that Schilling was teaching him, he goes, no, this feels really wrong. And Schilling said to him, it feels wrong because you're you're doing something completely different. You, you were doing it wrong the whole time, and now you're doing it you're right. You're doing it right, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, his striking was really on point. Yeah, so kudos good. to Joe Schilling. The way he was mixing up his strikes well. I mean, that head kick was wicked. That set up the finish. Yeah, and, I mean, Schilling's a tough guy. and Good elbows. I mean, Cerrone's, yeah, hopefully he keeps training and, and doing well with, with Cerrone and just bringing some of that kickboxing in there looked good. And after the fight, he uh, mentioned Conor McGregor. Conor says that... He, you know, cowboy. If we're gonna fight that kind of fight, I'm in. Uh, something along those lines. 
Um, that's an interesting matchup, and I'll tell you why. Do you like it? Yeah, I do. Um, I like it from a matchup perspective. I'm not sure how big of a money fight it is, but if you main event Cowboy versus McGregor, you're going to do over a million buys. Yeah. Cowboy is still a pretty known guy, and you can talk about his history, but here's the thing. It's a very, very high-risk, low-reward fight for Conor McGregor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll get paid and whatever, but Cerrone against Alex Hernandez shows how dangerous he can still be. Cerrone's the type of guy that's always kind of shrunk when he gets to that top level. But there's no title on the line here. This is going to be just a scrap. Yeah. And, and I think and Connor if, needs if, a fight like that, but too. It, he does. But if Cerrone wins, then what? Yeah. And I think that's really the, the deal with Connor is like, if you're going to try to get the best possible scenario for Connor, you put him against Diaz again. Because even if he loses to Diaz a second time, like, you're going to do three million buys. Like you, we've got to, we've got to. Yeah, look you don't want to lose steam on that fight. Well, the UFC just needs to think to themselves like, it's like with Ronda. Like you have your golden goose right now. Like Connor is the golden goose. How are you going to maximize him? And I hate to look at him as a commodity, but that's what he is at this point to the UFC. How are you going to maximize Connor McGregor in a way where you can try to keep his longevity going for as long as possible and make the most money from him? Because that's all it's about right now, I think. Yeah, I, don't sure. think Connor's, I don't think Connor has a shot at winning the belt off Khabib. No, I, I hate zero, to say it. Zero I just, like, based on what we saw, zero I don't think percent. that matchup matters. I agree. I so, 100% agree with you. So the best case scenario you can have for Connor, I think, is you, you do another big money fight, one that you know is going to draw, whether it's uh, whether you think it's Cowboy, I don't know. With Diaz, I think it's a sure sure shot to draw. I think that that rematch would do probably two something million buys, maybe close to two million buys. Whereas I think with Cerrone, you're looking at one point two, one point three. Yeah. Um. So why not maximize his earning potential at this point in time? That's that's what my thought on uh, on Connor is uh, at this point from from a promotional standpoint. But I, yeah, but I think from in Connor's mind, I think there's like a zero percent chance of losing to someone like Cowboy. I don't. I disagree with you. You think really? I think Cowboy I, can beat him. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't think so. Because what happens if Cowboy takes him down? Like Cowboy on the ground is very crafty with submissions. We saw what he did to Mike yeah. Perry. I I still think with the ability of Connor to manage distance, stay long, find those shots. I mean, we talked about, you know, he does well with his chin a little high, but, I mean, someone like Connor who's good like that and, and, and managing his distance, I think that's a that's the fight where he can catch Cerrone. Yeah, I think, I think a it's a good matchup striker. Yeah. I think it's actually a good matchup for both of them because I think, uh, like, Cerrone will go in mostly knowing what to expect. I mean, Connor mixes things up a lot, but he'll know that this is going to be a, a fight yeah. that's going to be but on like the feet. But, like, the prime example of Hernandez, is he a good striker? Yeah, he's good, but he's not great. Like, you yeah, know, he's, like not he's, Connor. he's not He's not a Connor-level striker. Yeah. Is, but so few is, is are Darren, also. Is Darren Till a great striker? Yeah, he's a great striker. And look at the, the result, you know. But you're also talking about different sizes. Different like, bigger sizes, size, self-paw, though, with yeah. a good rear straight. Like, yeah. that, that's kind of similarities in stance and, and, and good straight rear uh, attacks. But good front kicks, nice and long. I, I, yeah, I mean, yes. Does he have a chance? Sure, but I can't see it. So I'll preface this by saying that we are at TSN are 30% owned by ESPN and are affiliated with ESPN, but... And and the reason why I preface it is because I'm about to say that this was a home run for ESPN. Yeah, I mean they great. added almost 600,000 ESPN Plus subscribers on just the Thursday and Friday leading up to the event. They they did I think two million for ratings, and I mean they did have a huge lead in with that uh, Duke Virginia game. But I think that that is really the essence of why you make this deal if you're the UFC. They might have been able to get more money elsewhere than mm-hmm. they got from the UFC in terms of the television side of the deal. But if you have the ability to come out of um, that game, it's a th- it was the highest ranked college basketball game in years on cable. 
It did over 3 million uh, people. And that's your lead-in. Like, you're yeah. not getting that lead-in from FS1 ever. Yeah. In a yeah. million that's years, huge. you're not getting that lead-in. And then we talked about this before the show. People were like, what's Stephen A. Smith doing on the broadcast? But if you're watching that basketball game and you go into the UFC with Stephen A. Smith there, it feels so much bigger oh, yes. than if you don't follow the sport and you see, you know, you might be a little bit familiar with who Daniel Cormier is and all that, but if you see Stephen A. Smith there and he's introducing you to this sport mm-hmm. in the broadcast on ESPN, you're going to stick around just out of pure curiosity. Yeah, just shows MMA is now in uh, mainstream, Absolutely. which is huge. It was all over ESPN huge. all week. Yeah. And there were ESPN activations throughout all of Brooklyn and you'd walk around and you'd see these big ESPN plus things and things where they test uh, your punching power. It was. I thought they 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 got it off to such a good start. Yeah, no, um, it's really positive to hear. What I'd like to see now, though, is I think this next card, the Fortaleza card, that's on ESPN Plus, is an excellent card. Now, the thing is, you don't, you won't be able to see ratings from that, but I'm interested to see what kind of buzz there is around it because I think that that's going to be a good litmus test for how big. If that was just a one-time deal where it was champion versus champion, and or if there's going to be traction and momentum from it. Yeah, it's. I think it was a good move so far, and I know there's um, a lot of people saying even though it was, um, you know, a free month trial, but I think people for the price, I think it Five was a bucks. good move, you know. And look, it, it worked well with someone like the WWE kind of thing that kind of used their network as a, as a platform to play their things. And for four ninety nine, I think it's a it's a, a no brainer. It's a no brainer. The for amount people. of stuff you get with ESPN Plus, and we don't get it here in Canada, otherwise I would subscribe to it. But for four ninety nine. You're getting those fights. You're getting all the different insider articles. You're getting boxing. You're getting yeah, a whole huge. slew of things. Original content, original shows. You have that Ariel and the Bad Guy show. Um, like for five bucks a month, I think it's just a total no-brainer. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially if you're getting all the fights and the amount of fights that are on, you know, recently, it's worth it. I will say that the Canadians that weren't confused by the fact that they couldn't get ESPN Plus here and didn't know where to find the fights, the ones that did get watches on TSN were thrilled that they didn't have to buy anything extra. Yeah, it was easy. Like, yeah, yeah, I just want to throw on TSN. Oh, it was super confusing. It's still confusing, I think, to most people. I know. I was uh, was actually looking up on Twitter, like, UFC TSN or UFC Canada. And just finding finding people on my own to respond to me. It's going to be on TSN 5. It's going to be on TSN. And and it was basically like I had something copied and pasted, which it was like all ESPN Plus events except for eight international events will be have the late prelims and main card on TSN for the entire year. And I think that that helped a lot of people get their head around it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just people got to know where it is. It's been changing so often. Especially now, it's it's even difficult now because sometimes you're switching between three channels to watch a whole card, right? You're on UFC Fight Pass, and then now with TSN having, it's just easy. So easy for us. Absolutely. So um, the UFC is uh, heading to Miami for the first time in 11 years, uh, reportedly headlined by Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. That's a fun, that's a fun one. I think it's Miami's... a tough one, if anything, for so... Paulo Costa's getting thrown in there now, Oh, right? yeah, he's getting thrown this to the wolves. big test. Sink or swim. But Paulo Costa is considered one of the best prospects in the sport. So let's see. That it's again, it's like Cowboy versus Alex Hernandez. Yeah, think or swim. Yeah, and I mean, I know everybody wanted to see that Paulo Costa with uh, Israel Adesanya, but I think it's just if Paulo Costa gets a big win here and Adesanya beats, you know, uh, Anderson Silva. Adesanya is next in line for the title. That's what you're saying. Yeah, it's a title. And what, what's crazy is. I mean, I you can't look past the, the Gaslam-Whitaker because I have this feeling that you know, this is, it's Gaslam's night, man. I don't know. I just feel— I, I'm with you. I, I like Gaslam I, I, in that fight, but it's such too. a bad case. It's such a bad scenario for—well, uh, here's, here's the best-case scenario for the UFC. The best-case scenario from a financial standpoint, and people are going to disagree with me, is Anderson Silva wins that fight. Because they're, for UFC 237, they're planning on going to Curitiba, Brazil, in a stadium, which is where Anderson Silva's from. Yeah, yeah, and if you can massive. have Anderson— 
fighting for the middleweight title, the, the best middleweight champion of all time, in a, a, a mostly striking-based match against either Whitaker or Gastelum. I mean, yeah. Gastelum could go for takedowns, but Anderson has kind of been notoriously tough to take takedown. Wow. I mean, that yeah. would be massive. massive for them from a promotional standpoint. Um, the worst-case scenario for them, I think, is if Adesanya wins and Gastelum wins because... If you have Whitaker winning and, and Adesanya winning, you can do a show in a stadium in Australia. Yeah, yeah. The two biggest Australian stars happen to be in the same division going against each other would be absolutely unreal. Yeah. Do you find a lot of people really like kind of, they all want to fight Whitaker for some reason. I heard an well, interview can, with someone like Wonderboy Thompson yeah. because I think they don't think he's that much of a threat. I mean, especially someone like Adesanya who likes to stand on the feet, that's his perfect way to the title. If it was someone like Romero who could wrestle, that's a harder chance to a title well, for Joe, him. Let me ask you a, let me him. ask you a question, Joe. All right. Of all the UFC champions right now, who would you have the best chance of beating? Yeah, there you go. Whitaker. And it's not because Whitaker's bad. No, no, no. But it's that, because Whitaker's not going to take you down. Yeah. You and, know exactly what you're going to get. And he could take a shot. And he, he gets hit a lot. Used to fight you know, at welterweight. He gets rocked yeah. a lot. He, yeah, he's smaller. Gets rocked a lot. Yeah, you're right. He's been battling injuries. Yeah. That's yeah. why everybody wants yeah, a piece I would, of this guy. I would, I would, Tyron Woodley wants to go up and, I would and fight him. I pick him over Cejudo. I would pick him over any of the lightest yeah, guys. Exactly. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. But I mean, I've been hearing everybody calling him out. Yeah, Woodley called him out recently. Wonderboy uh, called him out. Wonderboy, Wonderboy has a win over him. Yeah, as a, that was his last as welterweight. Yeah. Fight. yeah, and then you know all all the middleweights want to fight him. Adesanya, I think, would love to fight him oh, because for sure. it was a good stand up fight. Perfect way to his title. Yeah. Whereas the only Gastelum, one that's going to beat Adesanya is a, is a phenomenal wrestler, and Gastelum is pretty good. Yeah, like he's not phenomenal as a wrestler, but, he, but he's he'd be good, good enough, enough to take down yeah, Adesanya. I, I think. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, but I like I said previously, I think Gaslam ends up beating Whitaker. Yeah, well, the UFC, what they need to do right now is they need to ha- hire goons to drive up in vans and kidnap those four guys, <laughs> Adesanya, Silva, um, Gastelum, and, and Whitaker, because if either of those car- fights falls off that card, that card is a living, breathing disaster. Yeah, I just I still can't believe Anderson Silva, though, is still being looked at as a title contender, which is crazy well, to me. I don't know if he, like, I think that it's one of those situations where you're kind of Gift wrapping Adesanya with the best case scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you said Adesanya is going to fight like Yoel Romero for a number one contendership, yeah, I mean most people I think believe that Yoel Romero would win that fight. Yeah, do you agree? Yeah, I agree with that. So I I totally agree with that. So I think that. uh, the but best I mean, case scenario, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I, honestly, I think the best case scenario for them, and I don't think, Anderson and wins. I don't think that Silva is for sure going to lose that fight. Like gun to my head. I mean, if I'm picking one of those guys and picking Adesanya to win, but I don't think that it's that obvious of a of an outcome. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Adesanya's I, I like a five to one favorite. I try to put myself like to see where Anderson Silva, but I can't. I'm all Adesanya on that. I'm all Adesanya. I wish it was a five round fight, but even at three rounds, I'm all, I'm but all Adesanya. I don't think Adesanya's going to stop him. Like, do you think he's going to knock Anderson out? Anderson's yeah. been, been knocked out once. Yeah, he's going to do it. Do you think it. he's going to knock him out? Mm-hmm. Not, it, yeah. I think you're wrong about he's ne- it. Man. He's never fought a striker at that level. Um, I mean, yeah, Anderson Silva's great, but you're talking about not only a striker that's good, like he was world level in kickboxing as of a year ago. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I kickbox. Anderson Silva was never made it as a as a champion in kickboxing. He's been doing MMA for the last twenty years, where Adesanya, as of until a year ago, was strictly striking, striking it. And if it's gonna be a straight striking match, I don't think you can compare it. Yeah, I mean, know. I think if Anderson maybe threatens some takedowns, if he can. Well, even Anderson, go, I don't think he's ever attempted a takedown. I don't know, yeah, but that's what I'm trying to yeah. say. Like, I, I can't see 
He's too. You're talking about, like I said, that older against this new, young, hungry lion who's who's phenomenal at distance control, distance deception. He hits you on angles you can't see. He's gonna catch Anderson Silva and he's gonna finish him. I can't wait for that fight. Yeah. I'm actually gonna do a uh, feature on it. I, I was talking to um, our senior producer Jason Poulter yesterday. Yeah, it deserves it. But it's a lot of yeah, good. He, hype. Want, he wants a good feature on that. And, and my thought on it is, you've got like the words mixed martial arts. One of the most important words in that is arts. Yeah. And Anderson Silva is an artist for sure. And Israel Adesanya is an artist. He's an artist. Like. Israel Adesanya is basically the new breed of Anderson Silva. Yeah. Like, there's nobody, there's never been anybody like Anderson Silva, I, I think, that that has been in the octagon since. From the way he moves, the way he, the moves, way he switches stances, the unpredictability, yeah, the his, way he the way he's so guard, hard to hit, his fainting, yeah, yeah. He, he has his hands down, moving his head. Yep. The closest thing is Israel. Yeah. And this is like old versus new. It's basically old Anderson Silva versus new Anderson Silva, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. and we're talking about two unique artists that are so um, intricate and so. Um, diverse against one another. And I think that that's kind of the message that I want to send to our audience. It's like, you're talking about, this is more than just a fight. Like, this is art. Yeah. And the thing is, too, I mean, kickboxing and MMA are really different. So a lot of kickboxers, you can say, well, kickboxing's so different. Adesanya fought kickboxing in a way that is really transferable. Because if you saw Adesanya's style, he was able to kickbox. He was able to do professional boxing, and he was able to transition well to MMA. So he had a style that wasn't one-dimensional. He was trained to be very free-flowing, staying long, that art side of it. So he's able to transfer between them all better than anyone. Like, you look at someone more like a Goken Saki, he's more of that stand-in-your-face pocket style of hitting body and head and good combinations. So his transfer to MMA is a little bit more difficult. Um, so I just think his style, the way he did it for so many years, man, I'm going to say it, man. He's going to get the finish. Here's my worry with this fight, and I think there's a 30% chance of this happening, and that might be too high, but this could end up being a dance contest with guys where no one wants to nobody, commit. Nobody wants to commit. Well, they're, they're all just, they're going to just try to outperform each other and keep distance and do all kinds and of weird stuff. we've seen that from Anderson many yeah, times, Yeah, we absolutely right? have. We've and if it, it ends up being Anderson. that for three rounds, people are going to be disappointed. Yeah. I think it and comes it could happen. to, like, is how much respect does Adesanya have for Anderson Silva? I mean, as a young, hungry guy fighting the veteran, is it like, okay, let me take my time? Or is it, he's old, yeah, his body has yeah. mileage. Like, what do we do? Like, my mentality was when I fought these guys that had a lot more experience, I looked at it as, you got a lot of wear and tear on your body. I'm the new Ferrari. You're that old Ferrari who's been to the track, you know, many times. So I'm like, I'm going to, you know, take you to the line. So I would aggressively attack those kind of guys. So I'm curious to see. I think Adesanya will play it smart. I, th- I think his still playing smart and technical, he gets it. So, mm-hmm. And I'm with you, I'm with you on it. Gastelum Romero. Like Gastelum's like a plus 250 underdog in that yeah. fight. And I think that, that Gastelum, power, man. I well, mean, here's the thing. With, he's got good bombs. He's got good, he's got good power. He yeah. doesn't get hit that often. Like he's, he's not the most hittable guy. And Southpaw too, right? Yeah, Southpaw. Yeah. But he also, I think he has a wrestling advantage over Whitaker. And I think, nice, and I think from the striking, too. like it's pretty close. Yeah. So to to have Whitaker as that big of a favorite against Gastelum, what because Gastelum's small, they're both small. They were both one seventy. Yeah. And is, is it Whitaker coming off injury as well? Absolutely. Whitaker's been injured. Whitaker still hasn't had a title defense. Yeah. Like Whitaker was since was, the Romero that many people thought he lost, right? That was, but that was interim. That was interim fight. Oh, sorry. Well, that no, sorry. That one that was actually would have been a title defense, but Romero missed, missed weight. weight. Yeah, so that doesn't count, that doesn't as, a count as a title defense. So uh, since getting the title after GSP won at middleweight and he was made the undisputed champion, he hasn't, he hasn't defended. defended it, and yeah. that was a long time ago. Yeah. Wow. He's got he's got a lot of wear and tear. Unfortunately, 
um, and injuries that he's just been battling on. And like he a, takes shots. That's what kind of scares me. So the longevity of him, like when he fought Romero, he ate a lot of big shots. His neck snaps a lot. So, I mean, tough man, and especially him probably being a, a a welterweight still. Like the big boys, like Paulo Costa's huge. Oh, he's huge. like massive. Same like, with Yoel. Yoel's and and Rockhold, who's actually moving up massive. to two hundred five. Weidman is huge. Yeah, yeah. we saw Weidman versus Gastelum. Boys, man, we saw what happened there. Yeah. I still like to see someone like Weidman and Adesanya. Something like that, where it's like that mix between that someone be that's got <laughs> if like... If I'm Weidman, I'm just wrestling with him. Yeah, but that's where I kind of want to see it, because after you know Adesanya loses, say, wins and gets Whitaker and he beats Whitaker, then there are a lot of solid wrestlers for him who are big and strong. Yeah. I mean, even Rockhold, his ground game's phenomenal. You know, Rockhold can do it really well. You know, Yoel Romero can fight on the ground but really well. But here's the crazy thing about it, though. All of these guys that are these amazing wrestlers are Never like, use it. No, it's it's just that when by the time Adesanya, let's say he wins the title, probably be at the end of this year. Yeah. Weidman's coming up neck surgery. Yoel's like 44. Uh, Rockhold's moved up to 205. Jacare's really solid, but his wrestling isn't at that level. Like he's, he's, yeah. uh, has amazing submissions, but his wrestling isn't like high, like elite level wrestling. I mean, and, and Jacare's also in his 40s. Like, all these guys are getting old, and like the new breed of middleweights yeah. might not be good. Like Paulo Costa is not a fantastic grappler; he's a, a stand-up guy. So all these matchups, like for example, if Costa ends up beating Romero, I think they might just keep doing striking-based opponents for Adesanya because it's fun and it'll yeah. draw and people will care. He's making a name and the way he talks and promotes. Yeah, they're building a star in him, and I think they did it really well with him. Yeah, I think they they gave him the, I'm the, telling the you, right though, matchups. I'm not but... sold that he's going to beat Silva. I might, really? I might be the only one. Like it's just it's, huh? the odds are so long. And Anderson Silva, despite the fact that he's had a rough couple of years, you know the loss to Bisping and uh, the loss, the losses to Weidman, uh, barely beats Derek Brunson. Like he hasn't had the best couple of years. But I still think that Anderson Silva in this kind of matchup is very intriguing. Yeah, I mean Anderson Silva's training with one of my friends too. Uh, he's training with Jason Park. He's one of his pad holders. He actually brought in uh, Glory middleweight champ. Um, Alex Pereira to train with him. So, um, yeah, he's, he's bringing in the right people to help. And, I mean, Pereira has uh, two wins over Adesanya in kickboxing. Um, it was uh, Pereira knocked him out really bad. Apparently, I, I remember. Yeah, he was, um, Adesanya was beating him the whole time, and then Pereira just hit yeah. him with one shot. I didn't shot, put two and two together him. there when you said he brought Pereira in. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so, um, and then his last kickboxing fight, this is where when uh, Adesanya was on Rogan, uh, he said he wasn't happy with my call of that fight when he fought Jason Wilness because I commentated it, and that was his uh, world title shot for Glory. Um, it's just Glory scoring is based on damage, and he was playing outside really well, landing more than his opponent, but his opponent, Jason Wilness, was just kind of pressuring, using low kicks, so we kind of disagreed with my call, but I, I didn't make him lose. It was <laughs> yeah. the judges. You, yeah, you, you weren't one of the be judges. Be mad about the judges. And the judges don't listen to your if commentary. Anything, if anything, it just... Show that I'm a great commentator because I agreed with the judges agreed with me. So yeah. I mean, it just shows. But uh, that's always half the people always disagree. Obviously, well, but, nobody uh, wants to hear themselves get put down. I yeah, mean. yeah. But I mean, I I still think he's one of the greatest strikers we've seen. If you ask me right now, even before that loss with Jason, they asked me who is my favorite striker to watch. Israel Adesanya. Like I mean, I just this the ability to to that style bending, his ability to mix and match different styles. That's why I like it. It's a creative martial artist. So he's still one of my favorite fighters to watch. So yeah, I'm excited. I hope he does well. Like I said, his wrestling, 
is developing as he goes on. So the more he wins, the more he gets these favorable striking matches, yeah. the more time he gets, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, But, I mean, you ask anyone, it takes 10 years to get your black belt. You know, it's not a year or two, but, I mean, just phenomenal athlete, which I'm sure you show him something once, he'll remember, and he just gets better. So he's your star, man. I'm excited. Uh, John Jones, we're probably going to discuss this more in-depth next week uh, when the hearing happens, but his VADA test came back with trace amounts of the same metabolites. Um, I'm getting so sick of the story because yeah. I just don't know enough about it. And I, I need to talk to somebody that has a deep knowledge of what's going on here before I can really comment These on it. Picograms. I, I, I hate to say it. Like I, I, I would love to comment on it, but it's... And I think a lot of people are commenting on it without being educated about it, and I, I don't like that. And I, yeah. I and I don't want to be one of those people. Be one of those people that's there. Yeah, I don't know. I've because heard from me, different experts this microdosing word, and I think this microdosing word is is what's really getting people um, to believe that he is still taking things. And all it, all the microdosing is doing is just giving him keeping his levels at balance. And they might be in a system for a couple days, but like I said, I don't know. I don't know about this rebounding effect they're talking about now that once you've taken it, did he take it in the past before you saw it? Probably. Well, here's here's the thing That's about the it issue, that probably. I'm most interested in. This is the point that keeps getting hammered home, is that if he was suspended again, they would go to arbitration and there's no way that the commission would be able to win or USADA would be able to win, that, they, that the arbitrator would not be able to prove without a shadow of a doubt that this is a new... Um, new dosage or whatever, new admission. Is that what the word is? I forget. What yeah, it is. something like those. So that's the part that, I, you know, where I feel like it, it's just a big waste of time to keep continuing discussing it in, unless we know without a shadow of a doubt that this is, in fact, yeah. like, a, like I said, a, we a, don't know. I don't know. We don't know. But, but I also think it would be awful careless if he was continued doing, if, if he was microdosing, yeah. as you mentioned. It would be awful careless to keep doing that and, and just imagine you're not going to get any sort of consequences. But the, the thing with me, like again, I'm no special in this, but if you take testosterone synthetically, all of us, your natural production of testosterone shuts down. And if before you saw it, if all of these guys were doing it, I mean, we don't know if a lot, but I guarantee you there was a lot of people doing it before the USADA came in. And we've seen it. We've talked about it. We've seen the differences in body types. But if they're, and then eventually, if you continue to take synthetic testosterone for so many years, your natural will automatically stop producing testosterone. So what happens now is your test levels, in theory, would be low. So how do you keep, how can you compete now as a world champion when? Your body's not naturally producing it. So I still think you would need like synthetic testosterone to be able to keep it at a normal range. That's what TRT is, you know, using, you know, small amounts of testosterone to keep it at balance. So I think it's they're going to have to continue to take it. I'm sure when he's done his career, otherwise his natural testosterone is nothing. So I don't know. I'm confused about it. Yeah, we need so, specialists. So we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more information on uh, on what's going on with uh, with John Jones. Because, again, I don't want to come at it from a place of ignorance. I've done a lot of research yeah. on it, and even that, even still, my head's spinning. Yeah, uh, I'm not, a, no I'm not a scientist here. Like I'm, I'm doing the best I can, folks. Yeah, But, I mean, if, there, if his testosterone levels, even though it has picogram, but if his overall testosterone, whatever they're looking at, is within the, the, the range... What can they really do or say, right? Yeah, but this isn't testosterone. This is having, uh, like, there's basically a zero tolerance for PEDs, for any sort of illegal steroids. And um, they believe that these picograms are from an illegal steroid and they're in his system. So if they've got a zero, this is where people take issue, is if they have a zero tolerance 
um, Pico policy, grammar or not, it was in yeah, a system. It's in a system, and it's still is technically a violation, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's True. that's that's the uh, the angle that people are coming at it from. So again, I, I don't want to speak on it because I don't I don't feel like I have enough education on the particular topic. And that's yeah. I don't I, think anybody's really showing to have yeah. enough for understanding of it right now. Absolutely. Joe, you're off to a good start with our picks for this year. Uh, yeah. we, we did our picks for uh, UFC um, in Brooklyn. You had Henry Cejudo, mm-hmm. plus 170, and that yeah, came through in good. a hurry for you. Yeah, I liked it. And my uh, my parlay of Greg Hardy and Joseph Benavidez lost due to Greg Hardy's carelessness <laughs> in the octagon. Go. It's costing you fake money. It's costing me my, well, my pride. That's, that's what go. this is. I need, to, I need to beat you, Joe. That's how you did last year, yeah. so... I, you're a very competitive I'm guy. Up my game. So if I can beat you in anything, it's a big, big uh, check mark. For <laughs> I me. kept getting carried away with these parlays early on. I'm going to be a little bit more intelligent this year. All right, I got to well, be a little you can bit more patient to now because you're back at like yeah, you know, I gotta now be you're patient. So you're at 117 dollars. I'm at 90 dollars uh, after week number one. So um, for those that are new to this, what we do is we put a 10 dollar or 10 unit, whatever play. I mean, it depends on whatever. <laughs> When I say ten units, I mean we're we're playing with fake money. Ten here. million fake yeah. dollars. Ten so percent yeah. of uh, our, our original, uh, I guess, uh, wallet was we a had a hundred and we're putting ten dollars. Yeah, ten dollars of monopoly money, so to speak, on each of our uh, on each of our picks, and then we're using the odds that there are um, right now in Las Vegas. So, um, do you want to go ahead, Joe? Sure, I'm going to play a little bit safe. He's uh, it's almost even money on most sites, but Charles Oliveira. I think I'm going to go, um, I think his experience um, over David Tamer is going to just be the difference. I think his ability to strike, I know Tamer's uh, really good on his feet, but Charles Oliveira is known for it. That left kick, the speed, uh, yeah, he gets it done. Charles Oliveira. I like that pick a lot. I think it's actually a, not a very good matchup for Oliveira, but he's just on such a roll that if he snatches yeah, anything, I agree. I think if Tamer gets through two rounds, he'll win. Yeah, but yeah, that I think third. otherwise. But you can say that for almost any Charles Charles Oliveira yeah, fight, yeah, yeah. right? He goes, um, man. He scraps. I'm going to go with Jose Aldo plus one fifteen okay. uh, against uh, Hanato Moicano. I've been very impressed with Hanato Moicano. Don't get me wrong. I think that uh, from a, a striking standpoint, he's looked good. He beat Cub Swanson fairly handily. Um, he beat um, uh, Calvin Cater, who I, I think a lot of. He lost on a, to uh, Brian Ortega in the third round, but he had won the, the two rounds prior. Uh, beat Jeremy Stevens. So, uh, you know, we, we've seen what Mike Moicano can be, do when he's beaten a high-quality opponent. But this is going to be a striking match. And when you have a Jose Aldo, to convince me that somebody's going to beat Jose Aldo in a striking match, they're going to have to have a better track record than, than what Moicano yeah, has. Yeah, Moicano's, he's got some submissions to his record, but, yeah, it's different level. And I, that was going to be my second pick if I had another option, but... What kind of steered me away is um, when I'm looking at the UFC pitcher, Alto's looking old in it. He is. But he's looking, if he's we looking remember a little weathered Stevens, in, that, though, in that pitcher. He got that nice finish against Stevens last year. He wanted a three-round fight because he wants to retire at the end of this year from the UFC, and mm-hmm. he doesn't want to put extra miles on him, which I think is very interesting. And I actually think in the three-round fight, he's got a good advantage because I would also give him an advantage in a five-round fight, but Jose Aldo can... can he can afford to use more energy. Yeah. And I think that that's what helped him against Jeremy Stevens, and that's why he got a finish, is yeah. because he He's was He's always able to... had issue in the later rounds with his power, right? Well, it's, it's, it's more that he just conserves a lot of energy, and that's why he was, he was going from being a finishing machine to a guy that just won decisions because he was so economical with his energy because he's a big featherweight. Yeah. Like, he's not very tall, but he, he's, he's pretty bulky. Um, and I think that that's what was stopping him from from getting finishes was that he was just being very economical with the amount of strikes and his output. Yeah, and but, I hated uh, that he went away from his low kicks a lot more, man. He started boxing a little bit. He started focusing on it, but 
His weapon is the low kick. And I think if he, with if he uses it against Moicano, he's yeah. got those skinny legs. Yeah. I think that he's going to have I some... think that's a good weapon for Aldo to get back to. So that's... Obviously, I'm a little biased yeah. because of yeah. the low kick. You're the king of the low the kick. The king yeah. of the low kick. I like that. That's right. So uh, that's that, that's where we're going with that. And I'll preview that uh, card next week on the show. Joe is unfortunately not going to be here next week, so that's why we did our, our picks this yep. week. I'm off to Glory Houston. We're back. 2019 starting for us in Houston. Who's headlining that card? Uh, we have our featherweight title on the line. So we have uh, Penamarung Kiatmukau, which is our Thai champion, uh, against Serhei Adamchuk. Can you spell so. that guy's name for me, please? I can do it. <laughs> really? Which one? Yeah, oh yeah. I, I do a lot of uh, pre-fight notes and stuff, so I've spelt it many times. Pech Penamarung. So it's oh, easy. that's not that bad. No, the Kiatmukau. Mm-hmm. So where's he from? That. Thailand? From Thailand. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, he's against Adam Chuck. Is Canadian, right? Uh, no, Sergey Adam Chuck uh, fights out of Mike's gyms in well, Holland, I'm getting but he's uh, with, um, Ukrainian. I'm getting confused with um, Adam. What's the guy's name? Uh, MMA fighter? No, it's another Glory guy. Uh, I don't Canadian. Remember. Yeah. What's the? Uh, uh, I don't remember the guy's name. There's Josh Johnson. No, I'm, I think maybe I am. I, I'm thinking of the right guy, and I'm just getting. I'm, I'm picturing maybe Gabriel Varga or something. Yeah, yeah, I that don't could know. be. Maybe. <laughs> so either way, that's going to be. Uh, that that sounds like a good one, man. I'm I'm going to start lo- watching a lot more Glory this I year. Hope I've so. I I love it. I just don't have time. Yeah, that's my problem. Yeah. Time is not on my side, but I that's fair. I want to watch it. I, I watched the uh, the the super. What's it called? The super challenge or whatever on on the Fight super Pass. fight series. The super fight series. I watch that on Fight Pass all the time. But the main card is really what I'm after. So yeah. I gotta. I, I just gotta thought maybe you were sick start... of my voice. We talk here for an hour could, and a half, and you're just. No, I'm just sick you know, of Grisham. That's enough. I just of don't want to hear. I don't want to hear Grisham. I'm tired of him. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'll make sure to let him. know. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So um, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh to watching more of that because I I love it. And I want to chat with you about it. I like yeah. that we can talk about that kind of stuff. Me too. Who wins that fight? Ah, uh, Pitch Panamarum. All right, yeah. that was that was young. Pretty there you go. Adam Chuck's good. Uh, it's a it's a rematch. Pet beat him before. It's close. It'll be a close decision win uh, for Pitch Panamarum. Yeah. So drop your money on him. And what are you looking forward to in this Fortaleza card? Um, I don't know. I I, I always like watching Mariah's fight. To be honest with you. Oh yeah, I think he's well, been he, good. He lost his UFC debut to a Sun Sao, and now it's a rematch, and he's a pretty big favorite against the Sun Sao. Um, I think that's so, my big thing. Yeah, I like I, this. I, is a great card, honestly. This this for Delaza card is is stacked. I don't. If you look I, at this Thiago card, versus, Alves, you know, we haven't even mentioned him in a while, but I'd like. I to think see. that's for a reason, but yeah, yeah, I, it still scares me. I can't even talk about how much it scares me. How he had brain surgery and he's still fighting. Like, yeah, he had his not, skull no bueno. removed, and no it bueno. still scares me that he's still able to fight. But, uh, yeah, we've been following each other for many years, so I just still like that uh, to see him do well. A well, one-up-and-coming guy is Johnny Walker. Like, this guy looked phenomenal in his debut, and he's against a guy in Justin Ledet. Uh Ledet's a very, very good striker. I, I'm looking forward to that one. That one's going to be fun. Um, then you have Junior Albini, which is the, the diaper boy. Yes, exactly. The diaper boy, the baby. The first, um, what, what country is he from again? Um, Brazil. No, no, I'm talking about his opponent, Jairzinho Rosenstruck. He, uh, I think he lives in Brazil, but he's from Suriname. I don't know. I'm I'm on the, the, the Surina- UFC page, and yeah. it says nothing beside yeah. country. The first I don't Surinamese even think UFC fighter. Knows, so yeah. you're good. Yeah. So what's one fight for me? I mean, you need to. You seem to know a lot more the the local guys. Which uh which undercard fight should I watch out for? I don't know if Walker versus Ledet's on the undercard, but I would say that. I think that's going to be a really good card. And I also like uh, uh, Livia Hanada Souza against Sarah Froda. That should be a fun one. If you uh, are into women's MMA, which by now you should be, yeah. Um, Damian Maya versus Lyman Good. I'm excited about because I love watching Damian Maya do his thing. Um, 
However, Lyman Good is a pretty good wrestler, and that's been kind of the kryptonite for Maya. And, and he's ripped like a Paulo Costa. Like Ooh, Lyman Good? Yeah. yeah. Well, he's Lyman ripped. Good was actually um, flagged for a substance by USADA. Um, and the picture looks like it. And he, um, he went to, he appealed it because it was a tainted supplement, and then he sued the supplement maker. Now, that to me is always the, the uh, calling card of an innocent man. Yeah, if yeah. You, if you, you get busted, Yeah, if you get busted for a tainted supplement and you're out for a year, yeah, yeah. sue the company. Yep. Because now I believe you. Yeah, absolutely. Get pissed off and be exactly. angry. Yeah, I agree. And I think there he won the go. case, too, if I'm not mistaken, but I might be wrong on that. I have to go back. What is and it? Look. A lot of the creatine? That's the, the tainted well, let supplement? Let me look it up. Let me look up what, he, what happened And creatine is one of the... You know, a lot of people who take supplements, they say the the supplement could be a placebo to a lot of people, but they say one of the most effective supplements you can take from like GNC or all these Popeye places is creatine. So I've been taking creatine for years. So uh, they he um, accused them of emotional distress and uh, and fraud, I guess, uh, something along those lines, and that they intentionally acted to hurt him, which is interesting. But um, so... What's the name of the company here? Oh, I think they, I think they, they uh, knocked out the case here. What's what is this? False advertising claim. So I don't know what ended up happening with it. Uh, but the the company uh, that he is going after is called Gaspari Nutrition and Vitamin Shop. Hmm. Which I think is actually a pretty big name place. I've heard of that place before. So um, basically, he was he was busted for one andro, and um, it wasn't on the label of that particular supplement so he sued them hmm. so like you said yeah yeah if you you're gonna, guilty yeah if you you, yeah if you're gonna show if, if you sue them then that i'm i'm on board i, yeah, I believe you i agree um not that i wouldn't believe them anyways i mean you saw that does do testing on these supplements when they are considered tainted and if they find that it's a tainted supplement i mean i'll take the word for it yeah. um so uh that's it for now you can go to uh, youtube.com look up joseph valfellini your latest video how to angle off to the right and score a knockout yep Got, it's uh, one of the harder angles to get. Um, usually, if you're an orthodox fighter, circling to your left is easy. You know, it's easy pivot, but getting off to the right, a lot of people have problems with. So, um, yeah, I guess a lot of people are having issues because it's been one of my most popular videos in um, r- recent times. So, yeah, keep angling off to the right. Learn. You should put out an April Fool's Day video. Of? I don't know, like some sort of weird technique that you've that you've uh, you've created and just like maybe maybe call it like the uh, pretend and something. What, what what is it like the goat kick where they kick backwards? Teach like a goat donkey kick. kick. Donkey kick. The donkey yeah. kick. Like here's here's the donkey kick. It's very effective. And then like have one of your guys really sell it and like pretend they yeah, got hit yeah. in the liver with it. Done. That'd be, that'd be fun. <laughs> there we go. You're done. Okay, perfect. I'll figure Looking something out. To, looking forward the to the donkey it. kick. Yeah, that's it. And then at the end you can tap it you, off like April Fools. Oh, I'll tag you. Yeah, <laughs> tag me in it. Yeah, I'll, I'll share it. There we go. Um, so Bazooka Kickboxing 680 Progress Road. You can learn the donkey kick and how to angle off to the right in person from Joe himself and much more. Yeah, so you uh, you've got um, someone from TKO uh, in your camp right now. Yeah, the champion Malcolm Gordon's been coming in working. He's got a, a tough fight uh, coming up, fighting a southpaw. So uh, who's got a good left kick? Mm-hmm. But good, the bazooka left kick's a lot better. So if he can get used to my left kick and my guys, he'll be completely fine, and he'll defend his title. Well, do you know what the date is on that one? Um, I believe it's uh, February eighth. Oh, that's soon. Yeah, it's all soon. right. He's only got like a uh, another week, and then the last week of his weight cut. So it's coming up. All right. Well, Joe, thanks. All Enjoy right. Houston. Um, a lot of barbecue and cornbread. I hope you if know, you, it lives up to my expectations because like, I want cornbread. If That's you like fine. beer, I'll give you a list. 
Okay, done. There are some I'll great. Houston has unbelievable beers. It's worth trying. Yeah, I'll as like long it. as it goes with my cornbread and barbecue, I'm good. Yeah, they they've got good cornbread there. I I, I didn't really hit any great barbecue, barbecue joints there. Like- Dallas, I had I had Lockhart's, which I really like. I don't know if they have a Lockhart's okay. in Houston, but if they do, I would highly recommend that. Yeah, but I don't know. I have something with cornbread that I like so much. I think they have it at Lockhart's. Good. Okay, yeah. good. All good. right, Joe. All righty, we'll see you soon, buddy. Take care, everybody. We'll be back next week with a preview of UFC and Fortaleza uh, and much, much more. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.